Welcome to the East Asia Hotspots podcast, where we invite you to join us for chats with experts and scholars from around the world to talk about contemporary issues in East Asia. I'm the lead facilitator, Richard Haddock, with the George Washington University. Support of this podcast comes from the U.S. Department of Education's Title VI grant for East Asian Studies at the George Washington University's Elliott School of International Affairs. Our partners at the Elliott School that help make this podcast happen are the Seeger Center for Asian Studies and the GW Institute for Korean Studies. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of the speakers alone and do not reflect the position of the NRC. Through these podcasts, we want to encourage dialogue about diverse perspectives in East Asian studies. Check out our website at nrc.elliot.gwu.edu for all our podcast episodes and info about East Asian studies at the George Washington University. Now, let's start the conversation. Welcome to the third episode of the Hotspots East Asia podcast series in association with East Asia National Resource Center at George Washington University, where we chat with experts on issues in East Asia with contemporary relevance. This project is supported by the Title VI grant from the U.S. Department of Education. Dr. Su is our guest for today. He's a visiting scholar from Taiwan. Now, he's received his PhD in history from the University of Kyoto, Japan. In pursuit of acquiring knowledge in Chinese Buddhist history, he lived and studied for seven years in Kyoto. During this time, his area of research focused mainly on the religious policy of the Tang Dynasty and the interaction between China and Japan in Buddhism. Upon his return to Taiwan, he turned to study the post-war history of Taiwan. His post-war research topics focused on the history of disposition policy towards Taiwan by the United States and China from 1941 to 1949 and the related issues regarding the 228 incident. He is currently working on a project called Research on the Truth and the Transitional Justice of the 228 Incident by the Memorial Foundation of the 228 Incident. Welcome to our podcast series, Dr. Su, and thank you so much for being here today. Yes, thank you. Considering your current research is on the 228 incident, I'm really excited to hear you share uh, your valuable insights on this topic for our audience today. Yes. Uh, so do you think it is important for K-12 students in the U.S. to learn more about the 228 incident? Uh, yes, definitely. In my opinion, if you, you are concerned about what's going on with the tense relationship between China and the United States, Today, all concerned about the strange situation between China and Japan because of World War II and its aftermath, or even concerned about what the result of the present Hong Kong unrest will be. These issues are related to the national security of America in the West Pacific. This is an area of the world that American children should start learning about from a young age. The total incident of Taiwan in 1947 is a good example to understand the historical background and offer a vital perspective to think about these current issues in mm-hmm. East Asia. The total incident of Taiwan not only can help us to understand the post-war history mm-hmm. and the process of the democratization of Taiwan, mm-hmm. 
but its effect on the Taiwan independence movement, although related to the regional security of the East, East Asia and the national security of the United States. Besides, if China sent troops to Hong Kong because of the unrest today, the result will be similar to the 228 incident. It can provide a history perspective for thinking about the future of Hong Kong. That is why understanding the 228 incident is so important. Absolutely. Like you mentioned, considering the relation of China and the United States, I think which dates back to during the Korean War and the Vietnam War, or China and Japan during the aftermath of World War II, I think it's really interesting for students today to gain a unique perspective based on the important historical events, which would inform them about current issues in East Asia, such as national security in East Asia, or even in the United States. So could you briefly describe the 228 incident and its final outcomes for our audience? Yes, yes. Taiwan was a colonizer of the Japanese Empire from 1895 to 1945. Mm-hmm. Uh, during World War II, President Roosevelt decided that Taiwan should return to China after the war because he wanted to strengthen the U.S. aliens with China. This decision put Taiwan into a disastrous situation after the war. Under the rule of the Japanese government, Taiwan experienced modernization in terms of political, the economy, and even in social and cultural development. If we compare economic and the social situation of Taiwan and China at that time, Taiwan was a modern region, but China was an undeveloped country. It is strong and dispiriting contrast. Uh, besides, particularly the leader of China, Chiang Kai-shek, was a famous dictator, and the ruling party, the nationalist, or uh, we call Kuomintang, was also well known for corruption and incompetence. After the takeover of Taiwan by the Kuomintang in October 1945, mm-hmm. every aspect of Taiwan's life deteriorated very fast. Many factories closed. Taiwanese lost their jobs. The cost of living skyrocketed and the public health declined rapidly. Only the government officials who come from the mainland China deep in luxury, largely because they control the economy in addition to the government. This situation was unfair and made the Taiwanese very angry. Finally, it led to a strong protest against the Kuomintang rule by Taiwanese on February 28, 1947. After the beating of a widow who was selling cigarettes illegally, during the protest, uh, the authorities killed someone who protested her treatment. The demonstration involved into a conflict between the Taiwanese and the new Chinese officer. Uh, the conflict began in Taipei, but in no time spread to every city of Taiwan. But instead of the investigating the responsibility of the incompetent government, 
Junkai said send the military to spread the protest and massacre thousands of Taiwanese. This historical event is called the Tutu A incident. Wow, thank you so much for sharing all these intricate details about the 28 incidents mm -hmm. as well as its effects on Taiwan. I believe that speaking on this subject was considered a taboo for several decades in Taiwan. Is that true? Yes, yes. Okay, I believe that it was an attempt to erase the uh, terror incident from the minds of the Taiwanese, mm -hmm. right? I think until President Lee addressed the subject publicly, Today, the event is openly discussed and the details of the 228 incident have become the subject of government mm -hmm. and academic investigation by scholars like you. Mm -hmm. It's very applaudable that the government declared uh, February 28th as the Peace Memorial Day in the memory of these victims. Yes, yes. That's very applaudable. What was its impact on uh, Taiwan's post-war history development? The 228 incident impacted Taiwan in several ways. The first and the more immediate impact was mm -hmm. the Kuomintang high-handed rule over Taiwan after the Tutu Ed incident. Chiang Kai-shek's military killed thousands of Taiwanese people during the spread Jiang's regime was afraid of Taiwan, Taiwanese apartheid or possibly rebellion, so they enforced martial rule. That mm -hmm. went on for 38 years. Mm -hmm. Under martial law, the Jiang regime could arrest anyone and even put them to death if they were suspected of having the wrong political views. The 30 years long martial law period was also called the White Terror. It is estimated that the Jiang regime put more than 10,000 people to death during martial period. The second impact was the social competition between Taiwanese people and the mainland Chinese. The corruption and the incompetence of the Chinese government was the main reason that triggered the total egg incident. People who come from China after the war, we call them mainland Chinese. After the total egg incident, the Jiang regime did little political reform but relied even more heavily on the mainland Chinese as government officials. The mainland Chinese not only become the ruling class, but also enjoy a lot of the political and the social privileges. In contrast, the Chinese were the exploited class. They enjoyed no privilege and were even discriminated against by the mainland Chinese. Only those Taiwanese who joined the crime system of the Kuomintang mm -hmm. could enjoy limited political and economic privilege. The situation caused a social contradiction between Taiwanese and the mainland Chinese. But the Jiang and the Kuomintang regime did nothing to resolve the social contradiction. Instead, they used it to their political benefit. And the Third impact on the national identity, although martial law ended in 1987, mm -hmm. and the people of Taiwan were allowed to freedom of speech, there is still conflict between the two views of the national identity in Taiwan. Mm -hmm. One view is that Taiwanese are not Chinese, and that Taiwan should be a democracy 
and the dependent independent country. The other one is that Taiwan is a part of China. Taiwanese are Chinese, and Taiwan should reunify with China in the future. These two senses of the national identity originated in the Tutu Egg incident. As we know, Taiwan was a colony in the first half of the 20th century. Most other colonized areas were asking for independence during World War II. However, Japan modernized Taiwan. For this reason, the Taiwanese did nothing of themselves as an independent country and even accept the takeover by China after the war. Before the 2008 incident, the Taiwanese hoped for great local autonomy under the Chinese government. Mm -hmm. However, the Jiang regime saw autonomy as a betrayal of China and eventually sent the military to massacre Taiwanese people and use fighter terror measures to rule Taiwan. This result makes Taiwanese awaken to the idea that Taiwanese are not Chinese. Mm -hmm. They become passionate about pursuing nationhood or Taiwan. That is the Taiwan independent movement. In contrast, the members of Kuomintang and most of the mainland still identified themselves with China, even though China is a communist mm -hmm. and totalitarian country. They use their influence on the media or even on the education system mm -hmm. to advocate China has a prosperous economy mm -hmm. and enlightened government and that one country, two systems mm -hmm. is fit for Taiwan. It is an extreme irony and it's also a crisis for Taiwan, considering that Taiwan is an economically developed country and has converted from a dictatorship to democracy itself. Absolutely, it's really powerful to see how media can influence people's mind. But I think Taiwan has admirably worked towards addressing the horrors of the white terror. In 1995, President Lee officially apologized for the government's actions. Yes. And I think he also advocated mm -hmm. for open discourse mm -hmm. about Taiwan's troubled past. Mm -hmm. I think we should all focus on the incredible turn that Taiwan has made towards both democracy yes. as well as apology. Yes. In fact, it is a lesson that demonstrates that people or the government can accept their dark past while still moving forward for the benefits of its citizens. I feel like the world has so much to learn from Taiwan, its trajectory from authoritarianism toward democracy and finally accepting its history. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing yes. all these intricate details with us. Should the United States be responsible for the 228 incident? I think so. Because uh, President Wilson advocated the self-determination for all colonized people. And Atlantic Charter declared that the right of all people to choose the form of government under which they will live. However, the decision of the United States to return Taiwan to China did not give any chance to Taiwanese. Mm -hmm. or did not respect the right of Taiwanese to choose their government. 
uh, when the corruption and uh, incompetence occurred in Taiwan after the Chinese took over, and when even the Tutu Ed massacre happened in Taiwan, the U.S. government generally kept silent. From the more moral perspective, the United States should be responsible for the Tutu Ed incident. I really appreciate your honest perspective on this. Thinking about it today, the passage of the Taiwan Travel Act mm-hmm. by the U.S. Congress on March, I think, 2018, mm-hmm. uh, relations between the United States and Taiwan have ever since maneuvered to an officially and high-level basis. So I think this is also a good example to know that the history of a country doesn't decide the relationship with the country in the future or in the current events. So not to keep you for a long time, but I still have one last question for you. As an expert in this field, what resources would you suggest for K-12 teachers as well as students to use in their classroom for this topic? There is a very important book mm-hmm. uh, named Formosa Betrayed. I think it's very good for the K-12 teachers. Okay. It is a book that looks at the incident from an American perspective. The author, George H. Kirk, was one of very few Americans who had been in Taiwan before the war. He was a vice consul in Taipei after the war and was an eyewitness of the Tutu Act incident. His view includes the U.S. national interest, mm-hmm. uh, which in general means today is the issue of the national security and the geopolitical view to mm-hmm. Taiwan and Okinawa and the human right of Taiwanese people and even the human right of Chinese people. This is the first book talking about the Tutu Act incident, uh, wow. even in Chinese. Wow, that's the first book. Okay. I think it's important for uh, students to yeah. especially yeah. to learn from the U.S. perspective. I think history could be a mirror to reflect the present situation. Mm-hmm. But the, reading this book, we not only can understand the post-war history of Taiwan, but also could think about international effort. This is the reason why I recommend this book. If the reader has not enough time to read through the whole book, mm-hmm. I will suggest that if one can read at least from chapter 1 to chapter 10, mm-hmm. you also can find how inspiring it is. Thanks for that shortcut suggestion mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Besides, mm-hmm. there are other uh, reference published after the 1990s, mm-hmm. like a book named A Tragic Beginning, the Taiwan uprising of February 28, 1947. It published by the Stanford University Press in 1991. The other paper called the public implication of the February 28, 1947. It's by the famous scholar mm-hmm. Richard C. Bushy from Brookings Institution, Washington, okay. D.C. It published in uh, 2007. Mm-hmm. You can read it on the website. There are related books or paper. Uh, if possible, the K-12 teachers uh, may compare these two, which for most of to see how different they are. Interesting. Okay. Thank you for mm-hmm. mentioning that, so that the readers or our audience mm-hmm. can view it from different perspectives. Yes, yes, yes. For the K-12 students, mm-hmm. uh, this source may be too difficult to understand. 
Well, there are some English websites that introduced the Twitter ad instance. Mm -hmm. For example, the GW website has an introduction to many aspects of Taiwan. The website of the Foreign Policy Research Institute has the diplomat online magazine and the Great China Journal blog. All have the pages about the Twitter ad instance. These are useful references for students in understanding the Twitter ad incident. But, but I will suggest that teachers read Formosa Betrayed before. Okay. But if you want to have the inspiration from the Twitter ad incident, or want to introduce it to the student. Oh, great. Uh, so is Formosa Betrayed available online? They can buy it on yeah, Amazon? Yes, yes. Maybe you can find it in the website. They published in last year. They okay. republished. Interesting. So for all our teacher audiences, you can find the Foremost of the Trade Book online or even on Amazon. Mm -hmm. So Dr. Su, thank you again yes. for sharing all your valuable insights. Mm -hmm. Before I let you go, do you have any final comments or suggestions for our audience who are listening to the podcast? Yes, yes. When we are looking at the post-war history of Taiwan or looking at the post-war history of Eastern Asia, mm -hmm. all the questions I mentioned before, I will suggest that there are two important perspectives for understanding the post-war history. Mm -hmm. One is geopolitical perspective. Okay. Another one is a human rights perspective. And the geopolitical perspective is a critical viewpoint mm -hmm. to understand the complicated relationship between China, Taiwan, Japan, and the United States. Okay. To the instant happened in that complicated geopolitical situation. If we believe in justice and the freedom, mm -hmm. the human rights perspective should be the only base for judging history. Mm -hmm. We should uphold any country that use violence to rule people and even threaten neighboring country. Mm -hmm. These are my suggestions. Great. So two important perspectives. One is the geopolitical perspective and the other one is the human rights perspective. Yes. So yeah, I think it's definitely going to broaden the perspectives of our audience. Thank you again for sharing your thoughtful responses. Yeah. I'm sure the audience will enjoy this episode and it will yeah. serve as yeah, a It's my honor and my pleasure to, <laughs> <laughs> to be here. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much. It was an honor for me as well to have you in this conversation. Yeah, thank thank you. you so much, Dr. Yeah, Sun. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for listening in to our podcast episode. For more information about this episode and all our other episodes, be sure to check out our website at nrc.elliot.gwu.edu and subscribe to our email list to get the latest on upcoming episodes. If you have a recommendation on a topic or expert to interview for a future podcast episode, please send us your ideas via email to gweanrc at gwu.edu. Lastly, we'd like to thank our sponsors for all their support in making this podcast happen. But most importantly, we want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in. Until next time.